Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? Brought to you by Visit Houston. Become a Houston insider today from the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map Weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Tim Love from Woodshed Smokehouse coming up in a little bit. Before I introduce my co-host this week, I should tell you that this segment is brought to you by Houston Insider by Visit Houston. Whether you love Houston or want to get to know the city better, this free program is right for you. Go to visithouston.com slash insider to learn more. My co-host this week is a beverage consultant who is responsible for the cocktail programs at places like Bernie's Burger Bus, Jonathan's The Rub, and Ninfa's Uptown. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. You guys treat me like this is my first rodeo. I walk in here and you're like, get closer. Boo-boo, I got this. I'm here. I've been here before. You've been here a lot. (laughs) I almost did did the like silly Instagram salute to my female co-host for International Women's Day. And then I just decided. You did it? I was tired. I was lazy. I didn't want to do it. The worst of all the female co-hosts and the women that you know keep this keep yeah this they keep this, they, they keep this train this yeah. train rolling down the track and you didn't do anything no what a loser what Maybe. a man what a man here yeah. we go I thought about it but I didn't do I it. thought about it but I didn't do it <laughs> all right shall we talk about the news of the week let's do it all right topic number one. I have to say, I am rarely surprised by the news that comes into my email inbox, but the news that David Keck had resigned his partnership in Goodnight Hospitality Woof. and is planning to move to his home state of Vermont, uh, that was a big surprise to me. Have you spoken to David Keck? Oh, I traded a couple of friendly text messages with David. I've known David for a long time, but you know he's not going to tell me the reasons for his decision and we're not going to speculate about the reasons for his decision. I don't think that's really fair to David or to Goodnight hospitality. What I would like to talk about, first of all, the reason that I'm surprised by this is that David has been at the forefront of Goodnight hospitality since it started. He partnered with local businessman, Peter McCarthy to start the company. They built Goodnight Charlie's together when that opened, David recruited Felipe Riccio to be another partner in Goodnight and kind of their their chef, their culinary director. To Alvin open Schultz. Rosie Cannonball, the, right. Alvin Alan, Schultz did the initial consulting for the taco program. Right. David and Felipe had worked together at Camerata. Mm-hmm. And then last year, they recruited June Rodil, who, like David, is a master sommelier, to move from Austin to join Goodnight. David and June have been friends for a long time. They work together on TechSOM forever. So, you know, it like obviously the McCarthy family, Peter and his wife Bailey, had a lot to do with the financial aspect of bringing Goodnight Hospitality to fruition. But from my perspective, it doesn't happen without David's personality, relationships, connections. So the company is still. Rosie Cannonball is, is still going on. Montreal Season Wine is still going on. They're written ready to open March, which is a 
fine dining, tasty menu restaurant, kind of a showcase for Felipe. That's still happening. Probably going to open next month, finally. But I mean, for David to leave at this particular moment in time, very surprising. I mean, I, it surprised me anyway. It's it's a it surprises me a little bit, but in all honesty, do I think that something awry happened and you know blah 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 this 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 that and the other? Come on, man! Like people leave their people leave their positions all the time, and it just doesn't necessarily have to be like right. there doesn't have to be some blood huge in the water. drama behind the scenes. No, no, I mean that's just the thing. It's like they've recruited some of the best professionals in the country to come and open up these, you know, these concepts, you know, um, even since June has been there, there's, they've changed the programming. They've changed the programming a little bit at good night, you know, at, at, at the honky tonk, you know what I mean? Well, so, so that is one of the things that came along with this announcement is that they are quote, evaluating the future of the honky tonk. And when I said, does that mean that it might close? They're they're not commenting about that, but it it does seem like maybe maybe they want out of the honky tonk business. Maybe they just want to concentrate on two restaurants and a wine shop. I mean, that's it's a great they pump they pump so much money into that that the music part of it and the acoustics and all that. So you know maybe opening it up to other other you know like some other operator who or not even there there they might just do that just they might just do different programming how long is how long has it been open a couple of years yeah a couple of years so what you're saying is from your perspective they're they're slowing down a little bit they're going to concentrate on the one thing that they do really really well which is run great restaurants yeah absolutely and maybe pull back on the bar like the stuff that you know, the bar, the hotel, like, eh, it's not really their thing. It might be. It's just like, how are you going to open up? Like, you know, like Rosie Cannibal hasn't even been open a year. You know what I mean? Like, uh, March is open, opening soon. Like Montrose cheese and wine just opened. Like there's three concepts. I mean, like pumping the brakes doesn't mean you're going to stop. Like you'll, we'll probably see, see that from them. Right. But, but I, I agree with you to this extent, people who like Rosie Cannonball should not be freaking out about no. about the news that David is leaving. No, of course not. Restaurants not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why when we when we originally was like, oh well, this is a this is a big big deal. I mean, is it really a big deal? You know, it's going to really suck to not see. You know, right? It's going to suck not to see David around. He's he's someone that I have known for a long time. He has done great work. At yeah, it's, it's Uchi at Camerata at for Good Night. Yeah, you know the Kova. city will be right. The city will be poorer without David Keck around. Yeah. But good night hospitality will continue. Oh yeah. And I mean they're like they're right now, I mean, I kind of feel like they've got some of the best hospitality team put together. Like there's nobody that has a master sum, a very well you know, like all everyone that works underneath them is just Sean, you know, Sean Gall. Like, I mean, they're just that's the a pastry chef for people who don't yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Let us move on. Topic number two. Finn Hall is rebooting. The downtown food hall has retained David Buer, your friend and mine, to be their culinary director. David has brought in three new concepts. Fubin, as from the from the same owners as Fubin by Night, which is we could say the good Fubin. Mm-hmm. 
Papalo Taqueria from Chef Nicholas Vera and Stephanie Velasquez of the Clawak Pop-Up and Lit Chicken from Kitchen 713 Chefs James Haywood and Ross Coleman. This is part of a larger strategy of making the food hall more sustainable by removing the old management company so that the vendors are leasing directly from Midway, which is the property management company for that building on Main Street, and cutting their rental rate from 30% of sales to 20%. Let me... Who else is still there from the beginning? Is all right, there anyone so, there? Yeah, no, no, no. Most of... So, all right. So, Mala left, right, last year, and then the pizza vendor changed from one pizza person to another pizza person. Okay. The other... So, good and Good Company Taqueria is out. And Sitlo, which was the Vietnamese restaurant, is leaving because Fabin is coming in. But the other stuff is still there. So that's Oddball Eats, which is Mediterranean. They have Low Tide, which is a kind of seafood thing from the owner of Harold's. There's uh, Yong, which is uh, Korean. Korean. Uh, Dish Society is down there. Uh, Amaya Coffee, which is Max Gonzalez, who started Catalina. Woot woot. Yeah. I think that's it. Okay. Ten vendors. They're looking for a bar star to run their cocktail thing if you... Uh... Don't look at me like that. I'm just saying. No. David's, mm. David's looking for a bar star. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. No. Not your thing. All no. right. No. So I, especially on this podcast, have been pretty critical of Finn Hall for a whole host of reasons, mostly related to pricing and parking my last lunch at Yong uh, a few months back. Uh, two rice bowls and an order of egg rolls cost about 40 bucks, which felt like, felt like a lot of money to me. This is before the management company was removed and they... Two rice bowls and a... Order of egg rolls. Yeah, like $41 plus drinks. I mean, that's kind so, of so like that's a fancy lunch. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what town you've been living in. It's, it's getting it's getting there. Well, I've, you go to Heights anymore? Because like that's what happens in the Heights. Not yeah. in a fast casual environment in the Heights. Like, I don't know. Not, not like I can go to. There's a million restaurants I can go to. I don't know. I think you're just being. I think you're just being fussy. Well, <laughs> I thought the pricing was a problem. I'm not the only one. Okay. And of course, there's 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 parking right. That's that that is a very busy corner. Ruskin, Maine is a very busy section of downtown. There's limited street parking in the area. There's a garage that they, that's a block away that they have access to, but they don't currently give you a discount. And I know they're working on it. Uh, and I just, I, I didn't find the mix of vendors that compelling. Like if I'm going to go to Dish Society, I'm going to, I'll go to a standalone Dish Society. I don't need to go to the one downtown. Yeah. But I might start going downtown for fried chicken by Kitchen 713 Tacos by Nicholas and Stephanie and Fubin, right? Instead of driving to Chinatown, I might go downtown. I might be willing to pay for that. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? You know, Dave. You know, David. I love I me. Mean, I love David. I like his programming. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's there's just a lot of competition over there. You've got bravery. Bravery Chef Hall is such. I. I. It's. It, it's my favorite food hall. You well, know. and I, and I think that's fair, and and we can see that Bravery Chef Hall is kind of leading the class of Houston food halls, right? Uh, Blind Goat was just nominated, 
for a James Beard Award. That's Christine Haas Vietnamese restaurant. You know, the Kokoro guys have made a big splash with their sushi counter and then Handy's Dozo, their hand roll place is, is doing very well. Yeah, the pizza. Right. Back ben McPherson ben I had McPherson. on the show a few weeks ago. He's yeah. done very well there. But let me reel you back in. Are these changes enough to make you go to Finn Hall instead of going to Bravery? I, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I think it's really, I really think that for you to be downtown, you have to have some sort of relationship with the downtown, you know? Do, I mean, do, I mean, we love Fubin by night as food people, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's just be realistic. Does anybody care about Fubin by night like we do? Well, you know, I had someone else ask me that, uh, someone who listens to the show and sent me a message on Instagram. And I think the hope, right, even if you've never heard of Kitchen 713, uh-huh. even if you've never heard of Fubin by night, right? The hope is that if you're an office worker and and Finn Hall is on the tunnels, which gives it at least at lunchtime an advantage over bravery. Okay. Right. If you go there and you try it once, right? If you try the fried chicken, if you try the collard greens, if you try the pho or the the goy ga, the chicken, the Vietnamese chicken salad, that it will be so delicious, right? Whether you whether you've heard of them or not, that you'll want to go back there again. Yeah, that's the fundamental. That's the fundamental logic. I just think that, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say. There's just so many options, and people just don't have. I, I don't know. Like, you you have to really, you've you kind of have to have a little PR behind you. You kind of have to, you know, have someone well, doing and they, programming. And they and they acknowledge that that it has not been marketed well in the past. Yeah. They have hired a very fancy PR firm to market to market Finn Hall. It's the same. I'll tell you, it's the same PR firm that represents Landry's, that represents HEB, that represents the Galleria. Mm-hmm. So they're they're working on that, right? They know they haven't done a good job. Yeah. They brought in David, right? So the the you know, it's gonna be a more financially viable proposition for its vendors. Yeah. And if they can give me some sort of subsidized parking, so it's so an hour and a half isn't fifteen bucks. Right, like wow. then I'm in. Now, now David's solution is just ride the rail, right? Because it's right on the rail. I, I'm I don't want to do that. I'm a I'm a native Houstonian. I like driving places. I like my car. I like my car to be close. I'm not riding the rail. I'm yeah, not. I, I could mean, take a ride here. I'm probably not doing that either. Yeah, no, I mean, and that adds, you know, and again, you know, even if I do, right, that adds, you know, round trip twenty five bucks, whatever, to my meal, which is a lot of money for a food hall. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, convenience is all and, you know, and the relationship that you have with the people that come to to these experiences are, you know, they're they're a big deal. Like, it's always really nice to walk in and, you know, at any other like little places in downtown. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Is, am I going to go there? I don't know because I'm kind of a sucker for bravery. So, well, I'm definitely going to go there because I'm super excited about Kitchen 713. Right, I'm I'm super excited about Popolo. Yeah, and I really love Fabin. So yeah. I am definitely going to go there. Will I go there a lot? Probably not. But then I don't go to Bravery all that often either. So yeah. But will it be compelling to downtown office workers? Yeah, for I mean, sure. That remains to be seen. But I would think so because 
the quality is good and the lower rental rate means they can charge a little less, right? They understand that lunch has to be about 10 bucks to be reasonable for people. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you that we will see, but I do think these are the right steps to take to make it more sustainable. Yeah, and I mean, and I, I know that like, David always creates like a really great experience for people. You know, that's really why like any, anything that like he kind of touches, he's like, he's really, really good at really knowing how people, right. you know, blacksmith, morning star. He helped bring the vendors into Greenway Plaza, like yeah, Burger yeah. Chan and the rice box yeah. and Fiji's barbecue. So yes, he has a track record of, of doing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. And then topic number three, let's talk about your new project. I have a new project. <laughs> so you say. I do. You are working with, speaking of speaking of the blind goat and Christine Ha, the MasterChef winner. Yeah. She is opening a new restaurant called Sin Cow. Sin Cow. With Saigon House chef Tony Wynn. Yes. In the former Beavers slash Decatur Bar space. Yep. So tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about what you're doing at Sin Cow. So I've always wanted to work uh with Christina like we've been friends for several years um a couple of years ago we did a youtube video uh making was it fish sauce micheladas or bloody marys or something like that and so we've always joked around about you know why don't you let me make you some drinks why don't you let me make you some drinks and when they de- they decided to open up this new project they didn't tell me where we were meeting and I got the address and I showed up and I was like, oh, it's Decatur. It's Beavers. It's where you Beavers, once worked. Where I once worked like 10 years ago for, for a minute. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're what? Anyway, so we're working on, we're working on an Asian influenced cocktail menu ranging anywhere from a coconut matcha drink a blue Hawaiian with soshu and I'm doing a kefir lime leaf play on a daiquiri and I'm doing like a tamarind old fashioned with cognac and bourbon. We're going to do a couple of different draft cocktails. I'm working on a vodka pina colada on a frozen. We'll definitely do a Vietnamese coffee. You know, we've got a couple of like cool flavors coming along. I brought in uh, a partner to help me that is really good at flavors, and it's Michael Molina from One Arm Scissor. Uh, he worked at Moving Sidewalk, and so he came in to help me dial in the drinks, and we're working on on this together. Okay. How much have they told you about the food? Because I've been following Tony on Instagram, and I noticed he's been playing around with the smokers that were already at that location. Mm-hmm. They've described it as kind of... Uh, Local ingredients, Texas techniques. I know smoking's part of it. Updated presentation. Like, this is not the kind of, this is not everyone's Vietnamese restaurant. This is not the same Vietnamese menu that served at other restaurants across the city. No, it'll, it'll just, it, I think, you know, I'm going to let them talk about that. Um, I know that they want to do some seafood dishes and a couple of other things, but I can't really say much other than that because that's not my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is drinks. All right, Linda, that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Love Houston? Join the club. 
Houston Insider is a completely free program built for Houstonians. Join me and thousands of others at exclusive events around the city when you take the 15-minute online course. Become a Houston Insider and get access to invitations to special events, sneak previews, giveaways, discounts, and more, plus weekly updates on what's happening in Houston. Learn more and take the course at visithoustontexas.com backslash insider. That's visithoustontexas.com backslash insider. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about the Crawfish Shack in Crosby. I want to be I want to be clear. This restaurant has been open for a number of years. I have just been slow to try it, but I, I had my first taste of it a couple of weeks ago. I know you've been going there for a number of years. Um, yeah, tell me a little bit about what what is it about the Crawfish Shack you think that makes it such a special place? Why, why, like, why should people be thinking about driving from Inner Loop to Crosby for crawfish? Well, so f- from what's understood to me is is that they basically are the largest single vendor, not our vendor, but yeah, I met the owner. He said that they sell about fifteen thousand pounds of crawfish from Friday to Sunday every week. Yeah. So no no single location in Texas that he's aware of sells more crawfish than the Crawfish Shack. Yeah, and so what that really tells you is, is that they're they basically get the pick of the you know pick of the of the of the crop. Like um, the crawfish are always really it always really wonderfully sized, you know. And this season is going to be really great. It already started started very well, um, but. They're, they have the ability to manage that many people. It's a giant, giant, yeah, it's almost a huge, like, basically covered barn. I mean, it's climate controlled. Basically. Yeah, yeah. But it's it, all picnic tables. It's big groups. It's high volume. I mean, we motored through. I mean, we were we were a group of like twelve or thirteen. We motored through. I want to say like twenty five pounds of crawfish. Yeah. Like, and it, you know, it doesn't take long, right? You order five pounds of time. It comes out fast. It's cooked properly. The crawfish were easy to peel. They were seasoned well. No, they're, 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 they have it dialed in. Like yeah. there's no plan. Like that's the thing. It's like, it's classic Cajun. There's no, there's nothing, you know, it's either a little spicy or very spicy. You know, it's like, it's great crawfish. Um, the fact that they can do so much volume and it's also BYOB. Right, which means people roll in with coolers of yeah. mostly beer. But, I mean, obviously you can you can do the crawfish and Riesling thing. You can show up with some wine. Yeah, yeah. And so um, they're just, they're, they're a great machine. Like, I took a friend of mine with me, and he was more or less like, I had, he's like, I thought we were just coming out here to have crawfish. He's like, there's literally 80 people outside in line. And I was like, do not worry. It's okay. We'll we'll get sat soon. Like we'll don't worry about it. And and within about 30, 40 minutes. Not not even. It was maybe fifteen. Like it wasn't even fifteen minutes, and we had a seat. Like they're just a machine, and that's like that sort of like, you know. And if you're really impatient, they have a drive-through. Yeah, they do. I mean, you literally pick up a cooler full of crawfish and just keep just roll i mean it is a machine it's a monster um they're i mean they're the best at the game you know like to do so much volume and and like it's and what's funny is is that my friend eats crawfish only cajun crawfish doesn't mess with vietnamese 
we literally sat down and he's like, oh, wow. Like, this is, this is good. Right. This is, this is the Cajun crawfish for people who have given up on Cajun in favor of Viet Cajun. Yes. This is, this is the one that's going to bring you back or at least we'll get you to alternate. Yeah. And I, and I think, and like we ordered like a pound or two of shrimp perfectly cooked sausage perfectly cooked like every like the mushrooms yeah i mean the mushrooms were like my maybe my favorite single bite of the day was the and, the mushrooms and, that and you have crawfish. to think about it when when you're really talking about true volume like things start kind of like falling down falling off you know with so much volume and they're just their machines so if you get a chance go check it out you liked it um and it's i mean it's quick and easy all right Linda, that does it for our restaurant of the week. Thank you very much. Thanks. I will be right back with Tim Love. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? This segment is brought to you by Houston Insider by Visit Houston. Go to visithouston.com slash insider to learn more. I'm joined this week by Tim Love. He is the chef owner of three new concepts coming to Houston this week. Woodshed Smokehouse, Love Shack, and you're going to have to help me. Tim, I'm sorry. You're going to have to help me with the third one. <laughs> Side dough. Side dough. That, that's the one in the bus, right? That's right. Yeah. Tim, thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be in Houston. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, tell me a little bit about the decision to come to Houston. I mean, you've had quite a bit of success in Dallas and Fort Worth. So what made the timing seem right to, to finally come south? Well, you know, it was a decision that was made quite some time ago, actually. It's just taken a while to get the project done. Um, but when I uh, found out that the uh, Upper Kirby District was putting together this park, a few people contacted me about it. The Upper Kirby District contacted me about it, about putting in a bid on doing the food and beverage for the park. Um, came down, took a look at the area. I've been to Houston, obviously, quite a few times, hanging out. I've done the Super Bowl both times. I was down here for Fox. And... Uh, you know, went for it, and um, we were fortunate enough to win the bid, and um, kind of the rest is history, as they like to say. But um, I love Houston; I think it's a great area. Um, we've already, you know, we're in Austin as well, so it seemed just appropriate that we our next move to be coming to Houston. And I mean, let's be honest: the food scene in Houston is probably the best it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty proud of it down here. Yeah, you should be. I've been I've been dining around, especially locally near my. Uh, establishments, just trying to get to know everybody in the neighborhood and understand the food there, and I've just had some really, really great meals. Oh yeah, where have you been? Where have you been eating around? Oh, you name it. But um, uh, you know, I've been to State of Grace, which I've been to quite a few times before, which I love. Um, Copa, which I think is really great. Osteria, Oisha, uh, for sushi, Kata Robata. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that you've gone high and low, Oishi, Like maybe the- yeah. Maybe the most reasonably priced sushi restaurant in Houston and Cotarobata, one of the one of the more up. Yeah, it's both sides, yeah. no doubt. And then uh Kieran's right there in my my little park area is really, really delicious. And um then there's a couple of fuss spots that I like to hit around the corner. The name's gonna slip me right now, but it's really right down the street on Richmond. Really good. And um you know, I've only been here a week and a half solid, so I've I've, I've eaten pretty You're making I've, your way through. You're I've getting to know tr- the neighbors. Barbecue, Pinkertons, yep. All the all the, the highest spots there. Um, but I mean, there, there's so much selection. It's hard to take it all in to finally get to, to every spot, which I will though. Eventually I'm, my goal always is to eat everywhere within a one mile radius of where my restaurants are and get to know high, low doesn't matter to me. So 
Well, yeah, I mean, anytime a chef who's got restaurants in multiple cities opens, you know, that is the question is sort of how, how are you going to divide your time? Like how much, how much time do you think you'll be spending in Houston in the next say six months? Uh, in the next six months, I'd say a, a, a ton. Um, generally when I open restaurants, I, I come two to three weeks before the project opens and stay solidly. I don't go back to Fort Worth. I, I stay in town, try to get to know the people, try to get to go to the neighborhood just like that. And then I'll, I'll be here for three weeks solid afterwards. Um, and then, you know, I do have other business in the world. So then I start moving around and get back to the other places. And then depending on what's going on is how much time I spend. So, um, you know, with Austin Food and Wine in Austin, I spend a good amount of time in Austin at the end of April. And I also do the same thing for Austin City Limits Music Festival because we do so much food there. So I'll be in Austin for three weeks that time. Then with Fort Worth, there's other things going on in Fort Worth. So I go back there. We just opened up two places in Fort Worth in the last year as well. So. Yeah, no, I was I was talking to my culture map uh, colleague Teresa Gubbins, who, oh, great. who who asked me to congratulate you on your two Tastemaker Awards nominations uh, for uh, for Gamel, the Italian restaurant, yeah, Gamelle, yeah, and then uh, you have a tapas restaurant that you just opened. I try Atico. All right, let's start with Woodshed. Just for people who, I mean, obviously everybody in Houston is going to be encountering for the first time. Like, how do you describe what you're doing there? So Woodshed is a is a unique spot in the sense that it. Um, it's kind of a quasi barbecue. It's not really barbecue. It's a restaurant built around wood. So uh, we use four different types of wood plus some other woods to flavor with. But we we don't smoke everything. We don't grill everything. We we actually marinate, braise, steam, grill, smoke all with different types of wood. And every item on the menu is identified by the type of wood that it's cooked with. So imparting different flavors, different char levels, different amounts of color. Uh, all those things matter when you're smoking and grilling with different types of woods. But then also the marinating. We do a, um, a brisket grain bowl where we have uh, oak smoked brisket, but the grains are also um, marinated and steam, or excuse me, simmered with uh, chili rubbed hickory wood. We take the chili wood, rub it with chili, or pardon me, the hickory wood, rub it with chili paste, wrap it in cheesecloth. We drop that into the, the water that we braise the farro with, and then we dry the farro out and then fry it so it gives this unbelievable woodsy flavor kind of the principle of like thinking about why you would age wine and oak so it impart that oaky flavor into it without smoke or without any kind of char but just the wood flavor so a lot of depth um, and then the other side of the spectrum is we obviously do smoke meats we have an unbelievable um, smoke room like the Taj Mahal of smoke rooms so in Fort Worth we built an actual genuine smoke room with screen doors and all that city of Houston doesn't allow that anymore so we've we've um, built this elaborate private dining room, which is also a kitchen um, for our smoke room. It's really pretty. You can dine in the smoke room, which is pretty awesome. Okay. And uh, But we do a 16-hour smoked beef shin, which is the foreshank of a steer. Feeds six to eight people. Comes really big on a platter with fresh tortillas made, uh, salad, beans, potato salad. So we're talking like a four- or five-pound hunk of just giant Gloriousness. That's yeah. right. Okay. Exactly right. Yeah. And uh, then we also have an animal of the day that we do every day. So uh, when you drive by the, the restaurant, you'll see a flag flying with animal of the day. It shows you what the animal of the day is. And we make tacos out of that. And it's roasting on the spit as you walk in on the left-hand side over mesquite wood. Um, you know, it's, it, it's really uh, a very unique restaurant. The restaurant, when I designed it, is really if you were to come to my house and hang out in my backyard, this is how it would happen. Great tunes. 
every person that, that feels welcome there, whether they're dressed in a suit, dressed in shorts, running shorts, they just came from yoga, it really doesn't matter. You feel like you're supposed to be there. Um, very unpretentious, very technical food, but everything served on stainless steel plates. So, so kind of a high-low. I mean, so you're not really... I mean, you said you've been to Pinkerton's and Truth. You're not really trying to play the the barbecue Texas Trinity thing. You're you're kind of doing your own thing. Well, it's a full service restaurant. Start with that. So um, you don't stand in line, you know, get three cuts of this and three cuts of that. And or but we have really really delicious barbecue that's part of our spread. So we do a platter that we call the Houston Quad, which has brisket, uh, maybe back pork ribs, uh, lamb brisket. And our sausage of the day. So we do a different sausage of the day every day. So, so you're making all your you're making all uh-huh. your sausages. That's correct. Cool. So all right. So I have to ask. So what is the animal of the day tonight uh, for our soft opening? It's going to be pig. Okay. So so we do pig, antelope, deer, lamb, goat, um, pheasant, okay. and um, give me one second. One Did we say beef? Mind. Beef is not one of the animals of the day because we've got so much beef on the menu. Oh, got it. Okay. And I don't know if you've ever tried to roast a whole steer, but it's damn hard to do. I would, I, I haven't, but I'll, yeah. I take your word for it. I've done it, and, and uh, you need a very large apparatus, not just a spit. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's over an iron cross, takes about 22 hours, and lots of cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so talk about Love Shack because one, one of the things Teresa said is that you, she gives you a lot of credit for kind of kicking off the the better burger thing. You were one of the first people to kind of jump on that trend. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Love Shack is, it, it was born almost out of necessity. Um, at Lonesome Dove, we, we serve a ton of beef tenderloin and I felt like we, you know, we have, we have awesome chili and all, but we just can't seem to use all of the, the tenderloin chains. And so, um, I had a little bar next to a little outdoor live music bar that was next to the white element saloon. And I converted the little bar into a mini kitchen we started grinding up the tenderloin and adding in some chuck. Now it's tenderloin and brisket, um, which eventually became the burger for Love Shack. And uh, it's just, you know, enjoyed some really huge success. And so, especially for being in the park, it couldn't be set up any better than to do a nice little burger kiosk. And so not only do we have great burgers, like our Dirty Love Burger, which is wild boar bacon and a sunny side up quail egg, but we also do really great chicken sandwiches. Our fried chicken sandwich with the bread and butter coleslaw is really, really good. And our nachos, which are kind of becoming a national treat. We just launched the, our smoked brisket nachos at all the outdoor Live Nation venues across the country this year. So they've been so popular. So they, they, those are available with the Love Shack as well. Beer and wine, which you can walk around the park with, which is spectacular. So if you'd like to have your kids run around and enjoy a few libations, we got that going for you. And, um, Soft serve ice cream, and for people who are hanging out by the dog park. So it's really just a fun little walk up, shakes, fresh lemonade, root beer on tap, and beer and wine. It's really fun. Yeah, super casual, super accessible. Yeah, there's 14 bar seats at the bar. The rest of you take to go and sit in all the tables we have throughout the park. And then like, side dough is coffee and pastries, right? Side dough, the, the premise is a coffee bar. There's beer and wine there as well. And then we have uh, fresh pastries that we make, sweet and savory, we make at the woodshed. And uh, we also have grab-and-go sandwiches. We've got an unbelievable um, brisket banh mi sandwich takeaway there. Um, also things like hummus and pita chips, uh, fresh little vegetable trays, little um, 
protein tray that you can take with you, fresh fruit, things like that. If you want to have a casual little lunch to hang out and have a coffee and go right back to work, it's a perfect setup. It opens up at six thirty every morning. So, all right, you it's in a it's in a it's old London style double decker yeah. bus. Yeah, where did not you, London style, but London. Trust me, I, oh. I, I know the fee for that, and it's not great. Okay, so where did you where did you find a double decker bus? In in, in England, and um, so it's been a long time project. I don't know if you remember me saying that, but it's, it's three and a half years, and to get that bus around this city is um, really it should be somebody's logistical like project at like rice university and so i'm just telling you right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah navigating uh i Nav- mean we've <laughs> seen we've seen school buses turned into food trucks in this town but but i think you're the first to turn a double-decker bus into yeah know. you know we've had a lot of fun with it honestly my team has really enjoyed some of the stuff we've done at this park because they are so unique the situations have been really unique but like we've brought back the old retro cups that you know you could peel the handles off to hold on to it instead of having double sleeve cups so we can save paper and all those sleeves and things like that we've um uh we've got these little instead of doing the plastic things like Starbucks does in your coffee to keep from spilling we found these cool little stickers that go over the top and you may also use those as giveaways if you get a gold star you get a free cup of coffee next time you're there like all these fun whimsical things that we're doing with the bus that I've really enjoyed and and I think my team's really quite frankly, joy to more than I have. So it just, you'll notice a lot of things with these three projects that are really all built around having a really good time and enjoying yourself. And, um, from the woodshed all the way to the side dough. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, let me just be a little bit blunt. I mean, you're, you're not messing around. I mean, you're coming to Houston, like guns blazing, you know, full throttle. I wouldn't say guns blazing. I'm really more like coming to Houston, try to become under the radar. We're, we're doing a very large project. I've never done something this big, three things over at the same time, which most people have told me, and it's true, is insane, as I've discovered. But, um, you know, a, a lot of us have asked me, a lot of people have asked me, like, how come I haven't seen anything about this? I'm, that's just not our, we like to prove ourselves through our product and uh, take care of the neighborhood. That's why we've been, I've been trying to, you know, get to know everybody that I can. Um and and see what we can do. You know, we just want to contribute to the, like I told in the very beginning of this, it's like a, the food scene is really amazing. And we just hope we can add to it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do want to talk about some of the other aspects of your career. I mean, you've done, you've done quite a bit of reality TV. I mean, you've been a, you've been a guest on top chef. You've done a whole bunch of stuff with the food network. You were, you were a, a next iron chef contestant, right? As I recall. Yeah. I, I beat Morimoto and iron chef. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> A lot of fun, actually. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, do you do you have a a favorite of your various uh, TV appearances? Do you have any a, any any good stories about uh, beating Morimoto? Uh, I got lots of stories about beating Morimoto. Um, that was really, it was, you know, originally I wasn't supposed to go against Morimoto, and um, so then all of a sudden I was, it was like, that's what I'm going against, and I was like, oh man. And he, I don't know if you know this, but he has a restaurant at the base of the building where. Um, oh, where they filmed the show? Where okay. the kitchen stadium is. So, Got it. Okay. So he had a team of like ten people bringing all this stuff up, and here we are. We walk in with three knife bags. And I'm like, and we're about to get our butt kicked. There you go. <laughs> so we said, well, we might as well have fun. So we just got some Tawaka and started doing shots, and then we did a shot every 15 minutes during the show. And uh, when they rang the bell at the end, we barely finished. And I, and I mean, my kitchen was an absolute disaster. We were running around all this. Time. I look over at him; he's polishing his knife. I'm like. Okie dokie. So, but, um, you know, in the end we prevailed. It, it was a lot, of, it was really a lot of fun. My, what was your secret ingredient? It was chilies from around the world. 
Oh, I see. That seems like a fair fight to me. You yeah, should, you should be good at that. It was it was really fun. Like I said, we we did some really cool dishes, and um, you know the the funny thing about that is, I mean, when you do Iron Chef, you pick an ingredient, or you pardon me, you pick. Um, they tell you there's going to be three ingredients, one of these three, like a week out, and then they're like, so you get so you a, can get like proteins and vegetables. You get a budget that goes right. around. So, uh, so I did. But at the time, I was opening up a restaurant. At the time, I'm very busy, and so I made it me thinking I'm smart. I made an ingredient list. I could go with either one of the ingredients. So when you get to the, the thing, they're they're like, okay, so um, this is what the ingredient's going to be right before the show, and they're like, what are you thinking? I'm like. What do you mean? Or no, they showed us our ingredients. That's what it was. They showed it. Here's all your ingredients that you gave on the list, and they're like, so so they don't tell you the secret ingredient because that would ruin their integrity of the show. So then it's like, they they assume that you know because they show your ingredients. Well, my problem is, my ingredients were the same for no matter what the ingredient. Oh, was. oh so, right, you didn't so, spec out different sets of ingredients. That's right. So got I, it. Okay. So here I am stuck, and they wouldn't tell me what the ingredient was. So there you go. We rolled like that. So it was a real surprise. That's, I mean, give them credit, I guess, for keeping their integrity, but it was, it felt a little unfair when we started, but <laughs> nothing that a couple of shots didn't solve. Yeah, nothing. And, and you won. So, I mean, all's yeah. fair, all, all's well that ends well. That's, yeah, exactly. You know what? And oddly enough, I'll say this Morimoto and I have been really close friends ever since. It was really great to meet him and work with him. He's, he's an incredible, incredible chef. And his food's really awesome. And I love going to eat his restaurant. So I'm so happy that we became friends. I mean, do you look at some of these new school, like the Netflixy Chef's Table or Ugly Delicious or any of those? I mean, do you do you want to get back into TV? Do you have any aspirations? You know, I mean, I, I, the probably the TV I enjoyed the most was when uh, we did Restaurant Startup, and I invested in these young guys and and gave them some great opportunities and and allowed. You know, I feel like right now that's the hardest thing in the world. When I started my first restaurant, I built Lonesome Dove for just under 80 grand and I built every wall in there myself. I designed it myself on literally on pieces of paper with a T square and some rulers. And, um, you just, you know, regulations don't allow you to do that anymore. Money doesn't allow you to do that anymore. So I really enjoyed doing the show where, you know, I've been fortunate, uh, and given these young guys and girls some opportunities, you know, that they didn't have, you know, fortunately have for the money. So I think, you know, doing that was what I enjoyed the most. Unfortunately, the the show had really good ratings, but it was an expensive show to run. We built a new restaurant every three days, so yeah. I mean, uh, it, yeah, it right. was crazy. I mean, really, really crazy. But uh, you know, we got a few places out there that are doing well, and and um, yeah. I mean, I I was just going to ask. So so, what are a couple of the places that you invested in that are still uh, Bonza Pasta, which is in, on the shelves at Whole Foods, and um, Crack and Kanji. So they last about two and a half years, and then they lost their lease. So they're not, but they're probably going to come back. They're out of Seattle, and then um, Joe invested in uh, burgers, uh, Baby's Burgers, or out of L.A. Okay, uh, I think they're still going. They have like three or four food trucks, but you know, we also saw a lot of really good concepts. Just they, they didn't, they weren't all the way vetted to the end. So as the show got the third season, we saw some really good stuff, and so I was just disappointed that we didn't keep it going because for me. You know, I think that's the one thing that's missing in, in our industry is like opportunities for young people with, with great ideas that don't have a ton of money and they don't get caught up in some, you know, private equity firm. But better yet, they're invested with somebody who's in the business and understands the business more. 
Yeah, I mean, do you, I mean, obviously you must have chefs who work for you or, or front of house people who've kind of grown up with you. I mean, how much do you sort of mentor them as you can kind of tell like who's going to go on and want to go off and do their own thing? Well, I mean, I mentor them all the time and, you know, it's, it's just kind of hard thing. There's, I think there's uh, eight chefs that run eight different restaurants in Fort Worth right now that all work for me. And, um, and I'm super happy for them, but the, the goal is to get them to wherever they want to go. Some people don't want to have all that risk of having their own spot, but they want to be able to run a place. And so as I'm seeing right now with, uh, you know, in Fort Worth, we've got this amazing team we put together and, and they get this chance to really run this beautiful park and do all this cool stuff. And so obviously, cause we're doing our first soft opening tonight and I'm here doing an interview with you. So we've got an amazing team and they're doing really well. And, uh, that's my goal is to get people to wherever they want to go in the industry. And um, the only way to do that is to keep the company growing. So um, that's my job now is to grow the company and keep the vision moving forward and, um, you know, get in their way, get in the kitchen sometimes and cook a little bit when I get happy. <laughs> yeah, just to just kind of remind yourself that you, you still yeah. have, you still got the moves. Still got it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, still got it. Actually, really, I, my favorite and most comfortable place in the world is working on the line. So. I really enjoy it. Yeah. So like you said, you got to keep the company growing. I mean, you have, you know, a whole bunch of other concepts. Do you look at Houston as a potential market for more Tim Love restaurants? Well, I don't want to go out on a limb and say anything just yet, but I, I've really enjoyed what I've seen. I feel like, um, especially in the neighborhood where, where I've been studying, there's a lot of people out and about having good times. And, you know, that's what you look for is, the vibrancy of the people and if there's great vibrancy of the people then i'd love to do more stuff in the city because I, I i do love the city i like the size of the city um and like i said i mean the, the food here is really delicious i mean give credit to all these guys that have been really keeping this scene going um i i just like again i just hope i can compliment all the great stuff that's here because it, it, there's so much great stuff here i would i would hate to say that i'm coming in thinking i'm the greatest thing on earth because I'm not, I'm just somebody who's going to do something as good as I can. And, uh, my team's going to do as good as they can and hopefully it'll, it'll add to it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I respect that so much. I mean, we've had so many, uh, we, you know, very prominently like one chef from California was like, Oh, they're starved for good food down there. And of course his place is like came in a year. Cause <laughs> you know, you come in with an attitude like that. Like you're just, you're just asking yeah. for trouble. Well, I'm the youngest of seven kids. I've had my butt whipped plenty of times, so I'm pretty humble when it comes to stuff like that. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to do the absolute best that we can. We're going to put out the best food that we can. We're going to have the best service that we can, and we hope that we can compare. You know, that's that's what you do in this industry. You do the best that you can, try to make friends along the way and have them help you out. And if you can do that and build a good community, and if I can join in that community, I think, you know, we got a formula for some success. Well, Tim, I have to say that that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there's some other aspect of these. Well, we didn't really talk. Well, you know, we talked about we talked about all three of your Houston places, unless you feel like there's like, well, let me let me put it to you <laughs> like this. What is like the one thing at Woodshed Smokehouse that everybody has to get? Ah, that's such a good question. Um, uh, you know, I know Brussels sprouts are being served a lot of places these days, but the Brussels sprouts are tremendous. The crispy chicken sandwich is, is also very good. But um, our dining with friends is really where it's at. We have five items on the menu, and we do a Peking-style duck that's 24-hour uh, notice has to be given for it. Uh, 
but it's really, really, really good. We carve up the whole duck, and then we take the uh, – it comes on a cutting board, 15 different dipping sauces, fresh-made tortillas, fresh uh, steam buns. You like – do you puff the skin? Like that's like a whole part. Uh-huh. And then we, um, then we smoke it, and then we roast it. So it's a, we, we steam it first to puff the skin. Then we smoke it to give it the flavor. And then we uh, roast it in a 550-degree oven to give it crispiness. And then uh, we carve the whole thing up. Then we take the back and all the remaining pieces, chop all those up, refry it, toss it in hot sauce, a little side of blue cheese, and a bunch of dipping for that. You can pick off all the bones. Really, really, really good. I'm so just, buffalo duck. That's right. Buffalo duck. And then you got the smoked duck. And then you got all these dipping sauces that are both Asian and uh, Peruvian. Okay. Um, when I make a reservation, it just add that to like in whatever like <laughs> open table notes, like I want the duck. That's important to say. So the only only reservation you can get is ten or more people, or if you order the duck. Otherwise, it's it's um, first come first serve at Woodshed. And then you'll have like valet parking and all that kind we of. We do stuff. have valet parking. That's correct. Okay. Um, so Tim, I always like to end these uh, interviews with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, sounds great. All right, Tim Love, what is your favorite cookbook? Uh. Southern, uh, no. Uh, Joy of Cooking. All right. What is the first band you ever saw in concert? Kiss. I usually ask people for their favorite Houston sports figure, but uh, since you're from up north, who is your your favorite uh, Dallas sports figure of all time, past or present? Oh, that's easy. Roger Staubach. And then uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. With a drive-thru. Taco Casa, for sure. And then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Pepperoni mushroom. That is the right answer. (laughs) In the sense that it is my answer. All right. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like a dang good answer then. Tim, give us the the website and everything for uh, Woodshed, Love Shack, all that stuff. So it's uh, Woodshed. Well, the easiest thing is to go to cheftimlove.com and it'll direct you as opposed to listing them all out. So cheftimlove.com, all, everything we have is listed there, along with everything that we sell, everything that we use, every, everywhere we travel. Um, I do a really cool section on cheftimlove.com where it plots all the places that I've been and the recommendations that are there, the hotels I stay at. Everybody always wants to know where we eat and where we stay. And then, uh, But all the Houston stuff is there. And uh, are, you a, are you a social media guy? Are you active on... Uh uh, Instagram and Twitter at cheftimlove.com. Awesome. Or at cheftimlove, I guess. Sorry. Right. I always <laughs> seem to say .com because it sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you, man. It's a pleasure, man. I'm happy to be in Houston. So come out and see us. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.